Conference of Champions rolls on. No truck stops here. We are the Pac-12. We are the best of the best. Welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast. I'm here with Brad Malone, host of the Bear Down Bias, an Arizona basketball podcast. He hosts that podcast with his friend, Stephen Cotarobles. Uh, I'm here to talk to Brad about all things Arizona basketball for 2021-2022. Talk about the UCLA-Arizona game that happened last week, the first one, and preview what's coming in part two in Tucson at the McHale Center. You can follow Bear Down Bias at Bear Down Bias on Twitter and Instagram, and you can follow his co-host, Brad's co-host, Stephen Cotarobles, at Cotarobles, C-O-T-A-R-O-B-L-E-S, on Instagram. All right, Brad, thank you for joining us. Arizona is coming off a pretty disappointing blowout loss to UCLA and now a close, ugly win against Arizona State. You know, we want to just get your thoughts about Arizona basketball. Get, I mean, considering that they are an elite team by most metrics, still are despite that loss. But uh, kind of a kind of a rough couple of games here. Again, blowout loss to UCLA and then, and then uh, looked... Looked a little looked like they were struggling against Arizona State, a, a game I think everyone kind of expected Arizona to dominate. You know, kind of coming out angry after getting uh, uh, beat up a little bit by UCLA. Are you worried about uh, Arizona at all? Not really, and this is why. <clears throat> Tommy Lloyd, his in Arizona, we've been become accustomed to watching press conferences with Sean Miller, and with everything, I'm sure you all know everything that's been going on there the last few years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, Sean Miller, he was very good at spinning the narrative way he wanted things to go. And, uh, he, but the thing with Tommy Lloyd is nothing seems to phase him. Like with Sean Miller, you could, you could feel in the room when you, I would just watch press conferences online. You could just feel the tension of Hmm. the elephant in the room. No one wanting to, to talk about the NCAA investigation, FBI, this, it was it was it was very stressful just to even listen to <laughs> to watch a press conference. But Tommy Lloyd, it's kind of the opposite. He's kind of accepted this whole like when he comes in to talk to the media, it's just like it's like he's talking to his friends, like they're out to eat or something. Um, and he doesn't seem concerned. Like he either that or he's got a good poker face. <laughs> and it, like like with Kirk Kreese the other day, you know, Kerr had a horrible game against UCLA. And after the game, he basically doubled down and said, oh, uh, Kurt, he's going to be fine. I'm not worried about him at all. And, and you know, as a coach, you got to play the mind games with people. And I don't know how he really feels, but but he's putting out the perception that he believes in Kirk Creesa. He wants him to keep shooting the ball. Uh, and then yesterday after the ASU game, there was, you know, that was a tough game that none of us fans expected. I mean, I thought that was going to be a 30-point win. Well, he, he had said, well, you know, I kind of expected this. You know, we had that long road trip, and he called it the dog days, kind of like in baseball, the dog days of summer. He called it the dog days of college basketball. Um, so that being said, I'm not too concerned. Uh, I, I mean, it is a little con- a little concerning seeing the last two games and how our style of play has kind of uh, been shut down 
uh, especially against UCLA. The de- you know the defense UCLA showed against us. I don't think we'd seen anything like that all year. Uh, they packed the paint. We couldn't get to the rim. It, it, you could tell it intimidated our players, and we missed a lot of easy buckets. A lot of people said, well, they missed easy buckets. Well, there's a reason you miss easy buckets. <laughs> um, we were – it just looked like, you know, UCLA is a top 10 Ken Palm defensive team, and they're coming off a of Final Four. I mean, everybody on their team, from what I remember, is from that Final Four. Um, and I think even me as an Arizona fan – when we, going into that UCLA game, I hadn't really, I thought UCLA was good, but I, I, I didn't think we would have as much trouble as we did at Pauly. No, I mean, I think one of the things that, uh, you know, it, it's almost like the script has flipped a little bit, you know, we're going into the, and we'll talk a little bit about the Arizona game coming up, uh, the Arizona UCLA game coming up on Thursday at McHale center. It's almost like the script has script has flipped, right? Coming into that game. I, I myself as a UCLA fan, I think a lot of people who are watching these games, looked at UCLA and we're like, you know, this was, this is just like a top 25 team right now and looked at Arizona and said, no, that's, that's what a, that's what a national title contending team looks like. Um, And, and now after really these past five games between UCLA and Arizona with Arizona kind of struggling against Arizona state and then UCLA dominating the Bay area schools, uh, Cal and Stanford, it's almost the script is completely flipped now. Now it seems like Arizona has a lot to, a lot to play for and started their, their, you know, a lot of their pride and how much, like how, how, how real they are and how much of a contender they are. Um, so I, one of the things you did say, and, and this has been a big discourse on Twitter was this idea that Arizona, I think a lot of Arizona fans and some people, some neutrals were sort of making the argument that Arizona losing was a function of missed open shots and open layups. And you kind of, you, it seems like you, you're not super bought into that idea. You kind of thought that, they were just getting out physical and tired. What were you seeing that made you feel like, yeah, it's not really, it, it's, it goes beyond just missed shots. I could just tell watching the game that the, they didn't seem comfortable um, attacking the rim. Like, and that's kind of our whole bread and butter with this offense. Uh, I think uh, Evan Batty from Colorado, he had mentioned how those guys, you know, they pass the ball five times before they shoot the ball. And it seemed like UCLA kind of limited, they dared us to shoot the three and we couldn't hit it. Uh, and that's, that's another, maybe another concern that I have maybe going forward. Uh, I still think Arizona is going to be okay, but you know, when you, the UCLA game and then ASU, this is kind of one game's one thing, but when you start, it starts, I think the last five games yesterday after the game here in Tucson, Ryan Hansen, one of the local uh, commentators said, Arizona is shooting 26% from three in the last five games. That's not good. Mm, yikes. <laughs> um, especially for a team that is known for getting easy buckets. And Ben Matherin that yesterday, five for eight from inside the arc, 0 for eight from outside the arc. So you got to wonder why is he may, why are we taking so many three point shots? Teams will kind of want us to do that. It seems like teams the last couple of games have been wanting us to do that. Um, but yeah, I, you know, UCLA is good uh, coming off a of final four and everyone was on that team. Uh, I hope Johnny Juzang can play on Thursday. Isn't he in like COVID protocols right now? He's in COVID protocols and, and also Jalen Clark was in, but he didn't play for the last game. Um, he's, yeah. he's in concussion protocol. So, so yeah, yeah, that's right. 
How's Azulis Tubelis looking? You know, that's one thing that I kind of wanted to ask is Azulis Tubelis didn't look like he was 100% against UCLA at all. I, I, he was, it was clear he was on a bum ankle there. Um, wh- what did you think of him looking against Arizona State? You think he's going to be healthy for the uh, UCLA game on Thursday? I don't, I don't know. Like, it seemed to me the way that the way the coach was talking yesterday in the press conference is it was kind of up to as well as to decide whether to play. I, I mean, that's the assumption I got. And he wanted to play his mom. Actually, there's actually a cool video out there. His mom surprised him and his brother, his brothers, his twin brother is also on the team. And she came all the way from overseas to, to, to see them play uh, and surprise them. They had a video of it and, it was really cool. So I think maybe that's why he played. <laughs> he wanted to play for his uh, mom. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not, but she like came, she was, you know, 6,000 mile trip. Um, and, you know, he obviously wasn't 100% in the UCLA game. I actually, Sean Miller on his podcast, he has a podcast he does. I've heard. He, yeah. Yeah. And feel the 68. He had mentioned how he thought Tubelis was at 50%. Mm-hmm. So Sean Miller thinks, I mean, I kind of believe, you know, Sean Miller knowing, you know, what these players are capable of. If he thinks Tubelis is 50% and Tubelis was pretty good in that game for the minutes he gave us. Um, yeah. But you could tell, I mean, yesterday he didn't shoot that well either. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I have a feeling he didn't practice all week before the ASU game. So I have a feeling he's not going to practice this week, mm-hmm. but I really hope Juzang and, and uh, Tubelis can play. Cause I mean, I always want, the best shot from you know when you're playing these games um and the biggest names you know azulis tabellis johnny juzang two of maybe the what six biggest names in the pac-12 yeah yeah so uh yeah hopefully the hopefully they'll be good to go one thing i did want to ask you kind of bringing us back to uh, arizona style of play so um, i'm just kind of looking at the ken palm pace stats and uh UCLA was the UCLA game was Arizona's sixth slowest game. They followed up with their slowest game of the season against Arizona State. Is there, uh, is there a bit of a, a a turn from Tommy Lloyd to kind of slow this team down, given you know the number of turnovers they committed, or was that just kind of them being tired and kind of bogged down and maybe not all there mentally? I don't think it was purposely done. I okay. think that that uh, ASU just kind of wanted to muck up the game and that's what happened. And they, they almost played the perfect rock fight against us, (laughs) but as usual, and this happens at Mikhail a lot, you know, teams will stick with this till about 10 minutes left, eight minutes left in the game. And then Arizona, you know, their athleticism just takes over. And, um, you know, Tommy Lloyd, he had said, excuse me, Tommy Lloyd had said uh, after the game, he had said they were tired. I think you remember that he said they were tired or something, right? Yeah, like- he, he he said they were tired. And he also mentioned that these are kind of games. This is this is what I was going to say. These are the kind of games you got to get ready for. You know, he's not naive. He basically said, I'm not naive. I know that we're not going to be able to run and gun our way to the final four. To, he's never said the word final four. He's very smart. He, he doesn't want to put that <laughs> yeah. in his mind. But he, he knows when March comes around. You're not going to be able, unless, you know, if you're like playing a 15 or 16, but even last couple of years you've seen, that's, that could be a nightmare too. Mm-hmm. Just ask Virginia. But um, you, he knows that we're going to have to play a half court game. And it, I, I would hope that Benedict Matherin 
uh, and those type of type of games can kind of take over. And Benedict Matherin has been kind of inconsistent last year and this year. He's had great games, but then he'll come back and have some struggles. The last two games, he's had some struggles. But uh, you know, UCLA they seem to figure out how to play the ISO game. But that might be something we have to figure out with with Matherin in these big you know NCAA tournament games where we're not going to be able to just run up and down the court. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes sense. And it's, and you know, it's something, uh, Tom, Tommy Lloyd and Mick Cronin, I think are both doing, which is, which is kind of toying with pace a little bit. Cause they know that in the tournament things, they may be able to have to play both styles. Uh, UCLA fans have been, I mean, myself and then a few others have been very mad at Mick Cronin for picking up the pace. Maybe Arizona fans are a little bit mad at <laughs> Tommy Lloyd for maybe slowing things down a little bit to just get some half court offense reps. Right. Cause um, that's something that I think UCLA has, I mean, Arizona has, uh, has struggled with at times, you know, thinking back to the Tennessee game and then now the UCLA game, um, you know, think just kind of thinking about Ben Mather and my, uh, one of my co-hosts, Avery, she's, uh, she's obviously watched as many Arizona games, uh, as I have. And, um, is really, it was really invested in sort of the player of the year race of Arizona's players. Um, they've, and I think they've got three. Um, who do you think has the best shot at winning Pac-12 Player of the Year? And do you think any of them have a good shot? Yeah, I, I think Benedict Matherin is yeah. the front runner just because I think his upside for the next level is bigger than anybody else on our team. I think him and Tubelis will definitely play in the NBA, but um, you know, Tubelis is, is hurt right now. Who knows how long that's going to last? Uh, but I do think Matherin... Uh, Christian Coloco has come on really strong mm-hmm. this year. Also, he's really shocked all of us here in Tucson, which is great. And he's a great story. Um, but I don't think he's, he's not going to be player of the year in the conference, but Benedict Matherin, I don't know if he will, but he's, he's our best shot. Uh, he's our best player. Um, he just needs to be more consistent. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, I mean, Christian Coloco is getting a ton of national most improved player buzz. Um, his leap from this year to from last year to this year has been pretty remarkable uh he's also analytically i think um just just you know i'm a i'm a nerd stat uh so i'm just looking at uh, some of the advanced analytics he might be arizona's best player who would you who would you describe as arizona's best player one and then number two uh avery wanted to know who you think the most fun player on the team is and that can you can define that however you want personality <laughs> you know their style of play well i think the best player I don't mean to repeat everything, but Benedict Matherin still, yeah, is yeah. I mean, he there's just something about him. Even that game against UCLA the other day, he had a tough game there, but there were still things he was doing where you could tell, man, this guy's going to play in the NBA. Yeah, he just he just has a different persona about him out on out on the court. But my favorite player, or what was the other question about most most fun player to watch? Maybe one, maybe your most yeah. favorite player to watch. So the funnest player, and I know this is this is like everyone who's not an Arizona fan hates this guy, but Kirk Creason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's who I was thinking you were gonna say. He's the player that if he's on your team, you love him, and if you don't, you hate him. And I'd actually, because <laughs> you know he's always pumping up the crowd, hitting the floor. I mean, yesterday he kissed the floor. I mean, he's yeah. doing crazy things. He had, and he has swag. He has confidence. He doesn't care that no one likes him. Uh, and that's, 
that there was one thing Bruce Pascoe, the guy who does the uh, the beat the beat writer for the Star here, he had said in the crowd the other night at the UCLA game, somebody yelled, you know, that guy is a bleeping, you know, whatever he was. And the guy behind him said that a UCLA fan, and Bruce Pascoe just wrote, yeah, he knows and he doesn't care. You know, he <laughs> that's that's kind of his whole brand, um, and. Yeah, I, I get a kick out of them. I, I've said on our podcast before that because, you know, Arizona fans, we don't like Duke at all. And, yeah. you know, Duke always has that one player who you just can't stand, who you think just falls down too much or hits the floor. Like a Bobby Hurley, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I, I said, you no, know, he could play at Duke. He, he could be that villain at Duke, uh, the, 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 the type of players that we just don't like. Um but it's fun to have those kind of players you don't like. Yeah, Kirk Risa was the was is the one that I came to mind immediately that you were going to answer with this. I mean, he's been so uh, it's hard because he's been so, and I don't think UCLA fans appropriately hate him enough just because he did he didn't have such a great game. But when he's when he's uh when he's on having a good game, I mean, buddy, there's no one as an oppo if you're an opposing fan base no one more intolerable than Kirk Creesa and that's great like you need big personalities like that players to hate in the conference and kind of be the villain right that makes that makes things so much more intriguing well, um, it's a, and what's funny about it is he didn't play a lot last year and there weren't a lot of fans so you didn't I mean uh, at least to hear it Tucson we didn't have fans um, and so it wasn't like you could he didn't have like this year. It's almost like he's making up for lost time yeah. <laughs> to be over the top and to be a quote unquote jerk, you know? Uh, but yeah, we, we all, but I mean, it was very polarizing for the Arizona fans too. A, a lot of Arizona fans, uh, they don't, they don't like his style. Uh, but I, I think he's kind of like uh, Bill Walton, how, uh, you know, either Bill Walton, you either love him or you hate him. Like I love him. I think he's hilarious. And yeah. uh, a lot of fans, like, they just, they don't want to hear anything. Like, why isn't he talking about the game? It's like, well, that's not his brand. Like, he, like, I think he's done enough in his career where he can talk about other things. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But he's, that's my take on Bill Wallen. I love the guy. Yeah, so that was that's a great question. Avery literally has written on here for me to ask you what your thoughts are on Bill Walton. It sounds to me so we're all uh, at no truck stops. Big Bill Walton stands. I mean, no truck stops. It's in it's literally in the name. Um, it sounds to me so you expressed your love for Bill Walton. Your co-host Stephen doesn't seem like he's a big Bill Walton guy. Is that right? He's he's not. Uh, we actually have a coworker uh, named Heather who she. Uh, she also loves Bill Walton. So I, I've joked with him. I'm like, we should have Heather on and we could have a debate and I'll be the judge. So you know, who's going to win. Bill Walton. <laughs> um, but I, do you mind if I tell a quick Bill Walton story? Absolutely. So Bill Walton, um, I'm making this film. Uh, it's called wild about 88, the rise of Arizona basketball. It's about the first final four team in Tucson. And it's just like a, a passion project me and my brother have been working on for years. We're still not done with it. But anyway, through the years I've at games, I've tried to talk to Bill Walton about maybe being in the film and I've never really got him to, to, I've just never been able to connect with him to do it. But anyway, I have his contact information, right? So my friend, uh, one of my friends from high school, her son loves Bill Walton. He just graduated high school last year. And he said, 
And she said, uh, Brad, is there, do you know anybody that knows how to get a hold of Bill Walton? I go, actually, I kind of do. <laughs> so <laughs> I go, I don't know if he'll remember me, but so I reached out to Bill Walton and I said, Hey, my friends would love for you to make this video for their son for his graduation. They would love to pay you because you know, on cameo. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but they couldn't find him anywhere. So he said, uh, well, send me some information about him. Right. Let me, and I thought, well, all you, I, personally me, all I'm thinking is bill. All you have to say is, Hey, congratulations. Way to go. Bear down, go get him, tiger, you know, whatever. Well, he wanted information about this kid. So he, his mom wrote this long thing about his son, his interests and everything, her son, his interest. And Bill Walton made a five minute video about this kid wow. with everything she had written. Wow. And it was, I couldn't believe it. Like, and I, if, if people knew that about Bill Walton, and I know he, he's one of those guys, he wouldn't want people saying, Hey, he's a great guy. But Bill Walton, like that was a really cool thing he did. And um, so I, I, I've always thought he was funny, but after he did that, I was like, man, this guy's really cool. Top yeah. 50 player in NBA history. You know, this kid that not, never, he wasn't even born when he stopped playing mm -hmm. uh, and is a fan of him. And he made this video for him. So props to Bill Walton. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, you can tell. Uh, the, uh, stories like that kind of like, uh, you know, you can tell coming off of the broadcast too. He he really does spend a lot of time learning about these players' stories um, on the court. And so, it, I, you know, it actually doesn't surprise me that he would go and do the work to learn about this kid's story and, and do that, right? That just seems like how he is. Like he's a very, it's a very, he seems to me to be a, a fairly authentic person. Um, so that's, that's great to hear. Uh, we... I mean, we we love Bill Walton and, and love him for his silliness, but I think we also we also can agree that he's just he, he seems to be from the outside a, a good person. Um, so that's a great story. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, a little bit uh, to pull a Dave Pass here and take us back to basketball. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a I, I want to get your thoughts on the UCLA Arizona game coming up at the McHale Center, but I first wanted to talk about like this year long discourse. And Avery kind of has this written. Um, around UCLA, Arizona, and USC being the top three teams in the conference. And, and for a while, it was the number four could kind of be anyone. Do you think, is it clear to you right now that UCLA, Arizona, and USC are the top three teams in the conference? And is there a number four? Um, and how would you order your those three teams right now? Well, you know, you had mentioned earlier about how the script had been flipped and that's, that's the thing that's funny about college basketball is every week it just changes. And that's what to me is so hysterical. But when, when you get to March Madness and you have all these talking heads and they're telling you this guy's going to be in the final four, this team, that team, after the third day, everyone's wrong. Mm -hmm. No one knows. <laughs> you don't, It's like Moneyball. Did you ever see Moneyball? No. I've had, well, uh, there, yeah. Well, it's a great movie. But anyway, there's one of the, one of the characters, the Brad Pitt character, he's, he plays this kind of washed out player who becomes an analytic genius. And he tells when he has all these analytic ideas, he tells this other guy who's telling everyone that they're going to be the next Daryl strawberry or whatever. He's like, you just don't know. You say, you know, but you don't know. And that's how I felt about, I felt about prognosticators. We don't know. That's why we watch. We love it. And it's like three weeks ago, no one had, or uh, no one thought that, uh, and we, it's like, we haven't learned. 
uh, yeah. with Dana Allman. All these years, he does the same thing. He's like, well, we're just going to struggle early. We'll get these transfer kids. We'll figure out a way. And then, bam, we're, we'll be fine. Uh, and this seems to be the, the exact thing that's happening right now. Um, but I think UCLA is definitely number one. And I haven't really seen USC play. Mm-hmm. Uh, we play them next Saturday. But I, I would, I'm, I'm going to go Arizona number two just because I'm a U of A fan. <laughs> I'm going to go USC or Oregon. So, yeah. But I am excited about the USC matchup because I think that's going to be a real great test for Christian Coloco, Numor Balo, um, because you know USC is also one of the biggest teams in the country. I think we're the biggest team. I think that's true. Yes. Yeah. I think Arizona's one and USC is very close. I mean, both I think are top 15. Um, and UCLA actually short, shorter relative to those teams. About I think they come in at number 44 in Ken Palm in, in terms of height. Um, yeah, that, that game, uh, you know, the USC, I think we've had a lot of discourse around USC and sort of how they haven't looked particularly good, but it will be fun to watch Isaiah Mobley, who's, uh, you know, the, their, their big guy, kind of slow, but very cerebral, very smart, very crafty against Christian Coloco, who I think is maybe, maybe one of the top four defenders individual defenders in the in the conference so it'll, it'll be it'll be a fun matchup um can i can mm-hmm. i tell you one quick thing about christian coloco mm-hmm. so christian coloco i'm sure bill walton's told us a million times on tv but like i don't think he even started playing basketball till he was like 15 years old no and, i didn't know that yeah and he he was a soccer player uh in cameroon and oh, wow. he is on pace right now uh, to break the single season record for blocks at U of A. The record is 102 by Lauren Woods. Uh, and he's basically on pace. He had five yesterday. So he's probably, if he stays healthy, he's probably going to do it. And um, it's, it, we're just amazed. Like we, we, we love seeing how how far he's come from when he was a freshman. Yeah. And, and uh, his defense is by far the best thing about him and his ability to kind of just erase things going on inside the paint but he's also a really good offensive player and and that part of his game growing you know i think the way that he's grown offensively what what have you seen him what do you think he's gotten better at year over year offensively his, what has he been working on his hands his hands are a lot better um than they were which is kind of rare to see with a player because if you don't have good hands that's one thing you can never really fix <laughs> yeah um and his hand, I mean, he, he definitely isn't perfect. Um, he, he does have games where, it, you know, it kind of goes back to his old habits a little bit, but it's his, <clears throat> it's, it's night and day from what he was as a freshman to what he is now. And you know, like defensively, what you were saying, not even the block shots, but just the shots that he's intimidating people not to shoot or shots that may go up that, are going to miss because, you know, they think, oh, he's going to block the shot. So the angles that he gives the defense is something else too. Yeah. Ah, oh, just, yeah, he's, uh, and, and it makes, he has so much potential still, I feel like just because, just because of his size and now what we've been able to see him do as a defender, you, you like, he just looks a lot more athletic. Um, so very excited to see how he grows. Uh, pivoting to the UCLA Arizona game coming up uh, at the McHale center on Thursday, what do you uh, you got any thoughts about how that game might go? What are you kind of expecting to see, and uh, like what what do you think Arizona is going to have to fix in order for them to take down UCLA this time? Well, I think 
I mean, and I would have said this yesterday. I'm like, there's no way we're going to shoot that bad from three. Hmm. Um, and we did. So uh, I think I feel good about the UCLA game. I don't know if we'll win, but I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a close game and it's going to be one of those. It's about time. Like Mikhail and the UCLA rivalry. I love it. I've been to some great games over the years and you know, the Mikhail crowd through the years is kind of, we kind of rest on our laurels a little bit. Like we, you know, we, we've gotten to this point, like, show me, you know, we're, yeah. we're invested, but show me. And um, this, this game is going to be, this is going to be one of the rowdiest games in years. And I think it's going to just be because of last year we didn't, we couldn't go to the games and everyone at the beginning of, of this season with COVID, there wasn't as much, there was still like 10,000 people there, which is still number one in the Pac-12. But yesterday was a sellout. So I know probably the rest of the games are going to be a sellout the rest of the season. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm expecting them to come out. I think Tommy Lloyd said something yesterday where he had mentioned, you know, now we're back home. We can rest. We can take some time off. We can chill tonight. And it's kind of back to normal, to a normal sort of week of playing. You know, they they'd, they'd crammed all those games into – what six days because of the COVID stuff. So I I'm expecting it to be a great game. I don't know if we'll win, but I, uh, I think it's going to be close. Yeah. I think it's going to be very interesting to see what adjustments Arizona makes. I, I mean, one of the, one of the things that I guess that we, that we had seen, I would talk to one of my other co-hosts, Greg kind of talking about the, the end of that game was just how, just how much UCLA was able to push Arizona around um, the physicality and, and really the experience. And I mean, Mick Cronin's whole identity as a, as a team. And it was, it was going to be interesting to see how this played out because it felt like they were very Tommy Lloyd and Mick Cronin have very different, you know, ideological, you know, commitments to how they play basketball, right? UCLA is a physical team. That's going to try to drag you into the mud. And Arizona is like a Ferrari. That's just going to try to blast you. Um, and it felt like in those first five minutes, that was Arizona's run and UCLA just kind of happened to respond. What do you think? What do you think Arizona is going to do to either match UCLA's physicality or offset it? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with Tubelis and, and his health. And you also might, you might see more Omar Ballo um, mm. because the last four or five games, he's another guy. We didn't expect really much of anything this year. I mean, we, we thought he was kind of a project player. Um, he came with Tommy Lloyd from Gonzaga, but he's, he's given us great minutes. Um, there was a game last week. I think he had 19 points. I would have never thought in his first year here, he'd have 19 points. So I think, I think definitely we're going to, you know, continue to try to play the pace that we play. Um, but if, if things do, you know, turn into a rock fight as, as uh, coach Lloyd likes to say, I, I, I could see how, you know, ball and Coloco, I, I I'm interested to see how they are going to perform in this game because we, we definitely need them to be uh, stronger in the paint than last game. Yeah. You mentioned that Omar Ballo, a shocking, you know, I was kind of looking, I was looking at Arizona's uh, the advanced analytics on Arizona a couple days ago. He's per, Per the advanced analytics per per minute stats because he doesn't get a ton of minutes like his time on the court when he's out there on the court just in terms of analytics and obviously this might not be true if you extend that to the whole game is Arizona's second best player um he's uh, his player efficiency rating is 28 
average is 50, an average player is 15 superstar level is like 30 christian Coloco is at a 30 omar Ballo is at a 28 um he's leading the team among rotation players um in offensive rating and he's uh fourth among rotation players third among rotation players in defensive rating so he seems to be a player and looked pretty good against UCLA in the limited minutes that he had there. Now, I think a lot of it was just kind of late game stuff and maybe him getting quite of open. But uh, do you think, is, is there a chance that he gets more minutes than Azulis Tubalis? Or is there a chance that they try to, like, who, who are they gonna, if they are going to try to get him more minutes in this game against UCLA to match that physicality, where are the minutes coming from? I think it's possible. Um, but... I don't think it'll happen. I think Tubelis isn't as hurt to to uh, make that happen. I think. Do you think he he'll could, start again? I do. Okay. I mean, especially because he's he's got what four days to the game's Thursday, so he yeah. has four days to to get better. Um, and that that was kind of one thing that was floated out there by some writer I I wrote I mm. read or something. So. Uh, Tommy Lloyd, I, I think Ballo, I mean, we don't know. <laughs> How about this? Uh, if it was Sean Miller, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sean Miller, I love what he, a lot of what he did, but, but Sean Miller was very kind of set in his ways to this is the way we're going to play. This is the way this is going to be done. I'm not changing the strategy. We're not playing zone. If we do, it's going to be 1% of the season, you know. But Tommy Lloyd, you know, he may – he still, we still don't know a lot about Tommy Lloyd and what he's going to do. And um, if, you know, maybe he'll, he'll throw the whole kitchen sink at us and, and decide, you know, maybe Ballo. Um, and you never know what's going to happen. Like Arizona basketball, I mean, I'm sure this happens with UCLA. Like there's always some dumb thing that happens. Like some kid skips class or <laughs> some, somebody is horsing around speedy. like yeah, horsing around. There you go. <laughs> Horsey to route. Thank you very much. Uh, so, you know, that, that might, that, I, I kind of feel like that's more of a situation where Bala will get more of a chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I kind of didn't really answer your question, but I, I guess I, I'm guess I'm guessing Tubelis is going to play and then Bala will play his regular minutes. Okay. All right. That's fair. Uh, who do you think wins that game by the time, by the time, you know, that game's at what? I think it's five, five Pacific uh, earlier than the eight Pacific yeah. start we had. Uh, by the time the evening is wind is winding down, who do you think wins that game? Well, if Juzang plays, and my my uh, UCLA or my my Arizona brethren are not going to like this, but I, I'm going to go UCLA by three. Okay, but um, but I don't. I, I mean, I think it's going to be a close game. Yeah, it'll be a big it'll be a big test for UCLA going into probably maybe the most hostile environment they'll play in all season um the the game before would they had a game at uh milwaukee for marquette this game might be rowdier like i think i think it's just based on momentum it feels like that's the kind of game students and fans and alum come out for because it's a revenge game and you just saw what they did on a big stage against ucla and you think arizona might come out hungry so um, well this is a game i've circled i mean when the when the schedule came out, I couldn't wait for this game, um, and I haven't with COVID and everything. I've been kind of I haven't gone to a ton of the games, mm-hmm. especially more recently with the numbers and everything. 
but I think I'm going to be like the bubble boy in Seinfeld and just like, <laughs> cause I, I got to go to this game. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm really excited for it. I, I think it's going to be, hopefully it's one of those that, that we taught that, that that's the thing about me going through these games all these years. I have so many great memories of, 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 uh, seeing great things at McHale. And, uh, this is a good UCLA team. I mean, they Mick Cronin, I, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm not shocked that you guys are good, but that he took you to this level so quickly. Yeah. Uh, speaking of shocking, I mean, uh, one last thing here that I'd love to hear, hear your thoughts on, and then we can let you go is Tommy Lloyd. It feels like he's been coaching at Arizona for 10 years, just because they've looked so damn good for so much of the season. Um, and had, and, and, you know, in his first year, in his first couple of months, had them top five. Um, yeah. and, and in the analytics, they're still a top five team. So I, I it'll be interesting to see what it, this is his first real coaching test, right? You, one of the things you mentioned, and it's kind of surprising to say it, we really don't know much about Tommy Lloyd as a head coach, what, what decisions he's going to make, personnel decisions, scouting, things like that. Um, what what have you what do you I'm curious what you've thought about his performance to this point and like what what kind of coach you think he is and what that means for the kinds of adjustments he might make against UCLA. Well, I'm happy. First of all, I'm happy that Arizona went with Tommy Lloyd. And I know this sounds kind of like I'm not saying like I told you so or anything. I'm not one of those kind of people, but whenever they were trying to select who was going to be the head coach, I wanted Tommy Lloyd. Um, because I thought I mean, Gonzaga, look what they've done in the last 20 years. It's not just some little independent school anymore. It's, it's a real basketball school. It's legitimate. And uh, I thought that, you know, I looked at all the other candidates for the job and I thought, why don't we go for this time? He can recruit internationally, you know, and that's what Sean Miller, Sean Miller basically started doing what Gonzaga was doing. Like last year, he was like, I, I got to find something new to do. And Tommy Lloyd basically got to keep all these guys because he re-recruited them. And he has this camaraderie with these players. But um, but yeah, I, I, I'm still kind of, uh, I don't know what to what to expect from Tommy Lloyd. And that's what's so fun about it because it's it's brand new. And it's, you know, we, we loved, I, I feel like I've talked about Sean Miller way too much on this podcast, but... <laughs> A lot of us, it, Sean Miller was kind of the same way Kirk Reese is in Tucson. He was kind of a lightning rod. Um, but I think for the most part, people supported him. Mm-hmm. And um, it might be like 55, 45, something like that. But, uh, you know, with Sean Miller, it, it, I think we just, first of all, we got tired of the the constant news cycle of him, of things that, you know, I'm not saying that a lot of things were never proven with him, but a lot of things just didn't look good. And on top of that, as fans, we got frustrated by, it seemed like every game we would play this half court offense, but we wouldn't have a plan. Like we would just kind of wait till five seconds left. And that's, that's really making things simple. That's not, I know that there's more to basketball than that, but as a fan, you're thinking, why are we always doing this? Why can't we ever find a good shot? Um, And Sean Miller just, He's a great basketball mind, but he never wanted to adjust. And that was one thing with, with Lute Olson when he was here. You know, he would, with his personnel, that's how he would decide to play uh, a, a team. Like, he had early 90s. It was all these uh, players that were, you know, 6'10", 6'11". They call it this Tucson skyline. First round, 
we get knocked out every year. The next year we have Damon Stoudemire and Clyde Reeves. And he's like, we're just going to change everything. We're just going to basically run and gun, kind of like Tommy Lloyd's doing now. And they went to the final four. So, you know, I hope Tommy Lloyd is like that and he'll want to adjust on the fly. But at this point, I'm not really sure because it's only been 19 games. Time will tell. Time will tell. Well, thanks so much, Brad, for coming on to talk about Arizona UCLA and Arizona season and Tommy Lloyd and Bill Walton. We've really appreciated it. Uh, and I'll plug your socials for you. You can follow Brad at Bear Down Bias on Twitter and on Instagram. You can follow the podcast at Bear Down Bias. Um, you can also follow his co-host, uh, Stephen Cotarobles at Cotarobles. I think I, I've remembered the handle now. It's at C O. T-A-R-O-B-L-E-S. Um, so please follow them. Brad, anything else you want to plug and say about your podcast? No, thank you, Carlos. I'd love to have you on our show one of these days. Um, sometimes we'll do episodes where we kind of look back in history, and it'd be fun to do like a UCLA-Arizona YouTube game where they they played back in the day, and we could watch it and you know, talk about it. That'd be, that'd be a lot of fun. That'd be fantastic. Lots of history, the best rivalry in the West coast, in my opinion, um, that certainly needs to get more recognition as such. So thank you again, Brad. Yeah. Thanks again. And, uh, bear down. We appreciate it. Bear down. <laughs> Go Bruins, I guess. 